G'day and thanks for joining us for this week's Two Ticks Town Talk, a segment of the Australia Talks podcast. I'm DK. And I'm RD. Please enjoy this segment from the regular podcast. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. I've got the desert, man. I've breathed them out. Okay. This week's Two Tick Town Talk, we uh, go back to Western Australia to the small town of uh, Balladonia. Now, it's uh, essentially a small roadhouse community uh, located on the Air Highway in Western Australia. So it's the first stop east of Norseman as you journey east across the, the Nullarbor Plain. So it's 938k east of Perth via Kalgoorlie, uh, sorry, Coolgardie, I should say, and uh, 1700k's from Adelaide. And I'm sorry, I didn't write down what that is in miles, but uh, we normally give it to you. So in this case, you're just going to have to work that one out for yourself. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so prior to European settlement, the area is occupied by members of the Ngachuma Aboriginal language group. The name is apparently derived from an abo, Aboriginal word, uh, Barian Juinga, sorry, Barrier Juinya, meaning big red rock by itself. Now, I say apparently because I couldn't find a definite answer on this one, and there just seemed to be a there's a couple of little uh, things I saw. And I thought, oh, I'm not not sure about that. So let's put a maybe on that. Uh, was, that repeat, was that translation a bit of a, a giveaway? Well, I <laughs> well, because it doesn't sound anything like Balladonia. Oh no, no, because it translates to Big Red Rock <laughs> by itself. Yeah. Well, look, maybe. Look, I don't. I don't know enough about the. Uh, uh, Ngachame Aboriginal language group to know the significance of a, a big red rock by itself, but it just, you know, how sometimes when we're looking up this stuff for the Two Ticks Town Talk, you can, uh, you, you'll find the the local language group or the you know whatever sort of mob is in the the area, and things things make sense. It, it checks out with what you, what you expect to be there and, and what you're cross referencing. Whereas this just seemed to be, eh, I'm, I'm putting it a, a little bit doubtful on that one. So, okay. yeah, <laughs> you're right. That translation doesn't sort of lend a, lend a lot. Now, I haven't been to Balladonia. I don't know if there's a big red rock by itself near there. Um, certainly not close to Uluru at all. But, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. So it might, it might <laughs> well be that. Uh, Europeans went in the the area, settled the area in 1878, and the homestead was built about 28. The original Balladonia homestead was built about 28 k's from where the present town site is. Factoids about the town: uh, the roadhouse was first built in 1962 to cater for travellers travelling across the country uh, across the Nullarbor for the Empire and Commonwealth Games that were held in Perth that year. Uh, that was for international listeners, um, the Commonwealth, uh, basically where all the colonies of of Britain get together and have some games. Uh, we still have the Commonwealth Games. We do. Yes, we do. We do. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, no longer called the Empire Games, but the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> 
1962, Australia was actually the, the winner then. They won the most gold. Uh, they came in that, first. That happens a lot, to be fair. I, it does, yeah. Yeah, especially in the, the Commonwealth Games. So, look, Australia, Australia got uh, that. They got the most gold, 38, but 105 medals all up. England second with 78 medals and New Zealand third with 32. Uh, also in the area, uh, the uh, Balladonia Rolina freshwater pools uh, at East Gaf- Afghan Rocks, and they were named for a camelier who was shot nearby on uh, October 1894. So they used to stop there, water the camels, and you know, when goods were being transported across by camels, as they often were, Balladonia was also a bit of a stop off there. Uh, with the modern roads between Balagonia and uh, Kaduna is a 146k, 91-mile stretch of highway, which is one of the longest straight stretches of road in the world. I think the longest is, uh, where they say it was? Well, somewhere Saudi Arabia. I should have noted that, but didn't. Uh, but, yeah, it's, that's a long road, and I've been... I've driven on that. Not that I particularly remember that straight bit. It all feels straight when you get on the bloody. Well, it was very uneventful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also the Nullarbor Lynx Golf Course. Now, it's the world's longest golf course, uh, with the first hole in Sejuna in South Australia and the 18th hole. Is one thousand three hundred and sixty-five kilometers away at Kalgoorlie. Wow, yeah. that's cool! I never knew that. That's uh, really cool. Yeah, um, it's it's real and can be uh, fun for committed golfers. And the Balladonia Hole comes with warning of beware of of snakes. There's, uh, I'm guessing, this guy's. Uh, uh, golf person who does Robbie's guide to, to golf um, golf courses. So his comment on the uh, one at Balladonia is a devilish, devilishly difficult par three, 175 metres over trees and bushes to a small clearing containing a green. And that green is just an astroturf green, um, unsurprisingly. There is only a small area before the green which is safe as there is a dense scrub left, right and back. Hit straight and beware of snakes, particularly in the summer month. Now, along this big course, it's uh, hole number four and the name of it is Skylab Par 3. So we get uh, on. Ah, yeah, uh-huh. you know, uh, we get onto what caught my eye about uh, Balladonia, and that was Skylab, the space station, breaking up in May 1973. So, Skylab was actually the first US uh, space station ever created. Had an orbital workshop, a solar observatory, Earth observation, and more. And uh, it ended up not really lasting as long as they thought it was going to when it was originally planned. NASA uh, sent it sent it up in seventy three, uh, and abandoned it just a year later. But they thought at the time, okay, we can leave it in in orbit 
until we sort of work out what we're going to do with it. But um, there was greater than expected solar activity in lead up to 1979. That heated the Earth's atmosphere. It caused Skylab 2's decay and deorbit, which is a technical term for panic and crash to Earth. <laughs> falling flaming. out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, now, publicly, the, the US uh, Space Agency said there was only a very remote chance a Skylab crash, crashing into a heavily populated area, as they would. Uh, privately, there were concerns, and there was even one NASA uh, official who resigned over the objections to the way the US had handled the disintegration of its largest satellite. As the spacecraft began to enter some 48 hours before, uh, before its ultimate collision, a command was sent to alter the, way from, uh, alter the orbit away from North America to avoid risking American lives. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little bit damning. So Robert Gray from the US uh, State Department would later maintain that the decision was made to ensure it landed in the South Atlantic or Indian Ocean. There's always a reason. Look, maybe that was genuine, but uh, government and secret squirrels tend to doubt everything they say. So. NASA initially uh, made assurance that the space station had fallen harmlessly into the Indian Ocean at 2.38 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. uh, Eastern Standard Time, isn't it? A-E-S-T, yeah. Yep. Uh, But the ABC talkback line was was finding something different. Now, ABC, for international listeners, is our... Uh, public Broadcasting System, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, and typically, particularly at 2.40 in the morning, uh, there's not a, much lot of, a lot of talk yeah. going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so their lines were ringing, ringing hot, and so they were getting calls from Perth to uh, Seven Gums, and the calls were adamant that despite suggestions otherwise, they had witnessed the now infamous sonic boom. So actually, as this stuff was crashing to earth, it was breaking the speed of sound, and sonic boom was everywhere. So they, unsurprisingly, souvenir hunters rushed out into the, um, the outback, uh, just in their four-wheel drives. Some even got in the, uh, the aircraft, and it was, it was on. Now, it, what, for, uh, for Balladonia, there were actually pieces that landed in the pubs, uh, the ground of the pubs there. So whilst most of it landed in the, the desert, uh, the, Bal- the hotel at Balladonia actually had pieces of Skylab land in the, um, the, the back of the, the pub in the, the yard. So that was uh, a, a very close contact with it. Fortunately, there's some conspiracies. <laughs> Always nice to have a conspiracy oh, it's, it's with these. one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody oath. So, though they sort of uh, said it come to close, there was a, a bloke, John Somerville Smith, who was described in an ABC article as a muckraker for the Turak Times with a graying bouffant 
lazy drawl and a supposed secret that would cast doubt on assertions that the space station's descent upon Australia was but an unfortunate ac- accident. Now, two act times, I don't even know. I I know it was some sort of um, gossipy, sensationalist type of, of rag from down at down at Melbourne, but I don't think that's even a thing anymore. Anyway, never, this, no, never yeah. heard of it. But again, <laughs> I'm not buying tabloid newspapers, so no, no. Well, I suppose we're not the target audience. Um, he reckoned, well, well, not reckoned. He had actually travelled to Kalgoorlie in the days before uh, Skylab's demise. Uh, some think it was fortuitous timing. But this guy claimed he had been tipped off by the Americans. He claimed that he was told on the Friday week before in Melbourne that Skylab was going to land in the Laverton area, which is about 240 miles from uh, Kalgoorlie here, he said. So pressed on who had told him, Somerville Smith said, one of the same people who told me Kalgoorlie two years one of the people who told me Cal Gooley two years and nine months before it was going to happen. They were talking about the American budget and they were saying that uh, they had doubts about how long they could keep the spaceship up in the air. The budget had been cut and they were no doubt thinking of bringing it down to cut expenses ever since. Now, some reckon Somerville Smith's claim of a conspiracy had little steed. Uh, However, (laughs) there were declassified diplomatic cables from the US Department of State uh, in dated September 4th in 79. And this lends itself a bit to the public opinion at time about the involvement or lack thereof of American officials in what happened to Skylab. And they were addressing reports that Skylab was deliberately brought down near Pine Gap so that secret military espionage equipment could be recovered from it. And the cables noted any attempt to reply to the obvious untruths in the article would be counterproductive. Uh, But Pine Gap's a long way from there. It, it is, but I suppose when you when if you're crashing kept, a huge well, bit, of, I mean, it, yeah, if it kept going, it would be a lot closer, though. I guess. Well, yeah, maybe, but, but look, I mean, Either, I mean, dragging it any it's sense long, anyway. Yeah, yeah I well, mean, yeah. surely they would have just taken the, you know, secret stuff with them when they left. Skylab, the last time they left, you know what I mean? I don't know. Well, that was the problem. They didn't think it was, well, according to their story, they didn't think it was going to come down. They thought, well, look, it's just going to orbit there on its merry way. And it was because they hadn't factored in the activity of the sun, which when you get the increased solar activity, it can increase, um, essentially increase the size of the, the atmosphere. It makes it expand a bit, and that creates drag on satellites. Um, so... If there was secret squirrel stuff up there, they may not have uh, expected it to, to happen. So, yeah. But so there was in the cables, they said the main section was reported to have been brought down near the Pine Gap maximum security base so that it could be whisked away to the United States. 
These claims will also be included in a submission to U.S. Congressional in- Inquiry. Uh, now, they tried to, tried to quash the story, but the Australian public were pretty sceptical. Plus, it was an exciting time. I mean, you were – it was, you know, before your time. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember the, the, the lead up to Skylab and just sort of the speculation and what's going to happen and is it going to crash into Australia and well, it, and it did. <laughs> <laughs> the, spe- the speculation was correct and then the excitement is uh, you saw the news stories coming in and because uh, some of the pieces were huge. Some of the yeah. pieces were, you know, like uh, – your water heat, your water heater tank at home, um, great big cylinders. Oh, it surprises me how much actually didn't burn up and hit the ground. Um, so, so one one Perth resident had had said, "I think it was a bit foul of the septics really to drop it on Australia." Uh, and there's also other people a bit bit pissed off because NASA. Uh, claimed ownership of any of the debris which the collectors had hoped to sell <laughs> claiming it was theirs <laughs> i mean i'd be i wouldn't care i'd be like there's mine now i found it come and I, come and take it off me you know exactly and i <laughs> i seem to recall there might have been a few people doing that uh now one, one of the funny little things was the the shire of esperance which who had jurisdiction over much of the area where the wreckage landed uh, they fined the U.S. State Department four hundred bucks for littering. <laughs> so it was arguably a little bit tongue in cheek. One of the rangers had turned up at the the meetings and um, and handed handed over the the ticket. But that four hundred dollar fine was actually paid by a California radio breakfast show. In 2009, so nearly three decades later, yeah. in a belated response to in a belated response to the the littering fine, so they got a whole lot of callers to to call in and um, uh, crowdfund the outstanding penalty. They they then delivered hand delivered a novelty check to the the Esperance Shire, and that's been used. Uh, Used for publicity in the the local museum. There's a a picture of it, uh, just sort of hanging up in the hanging up in the museum. Yeah, one of those huge, massive checks that you see. The big, in, uh, big novelty checks. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was it was cool. Um, now, in uh, because the particles had landed in. Uh, Baladonia pub at the the back. Apparently, and I'm going to put apparently because it was reported to have happened, but um, you know, you don't sort of know with with these things. Uh, apparently, the president Jimmy Carter was reportedly so concerned by the development that he personally rang the owners of the Baladonia pub to apologise for, <laughs> for the particles uh. from Skyland. <laughs> Landing in the back. I mean, I would have loved to have been there for that phone call, not not least of all because you'd be thinking, yes, this is someone who's trying to prank me. (laughs) Yeah, this is US President Jimmy Carter. No, it's not. Yeah, 
You know, yeah, no exactly. way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finally, rounding this out, there is uh, there was a rock group family. You remember the well-known rock group family? I've just sent you a a, a link, a YouTube link. So what we'll do is I'll put the I'll put the sound in um, for the for the listeners to um, to hear what we're we're listening to. Are you able to fire that up at all for your yourself so I can just hear a little bit what you think of it when you hear it? This is this is called the um, uh, the group rock group family cemented the town's position in the history books with its 1979 single "Ballad of a Balladonia Night." Now you don't have to listen much to much of it to get the gist of it. It feels very. It feels very uh, 1970s, like, disco rock. Oh, doesn't it? (laughs) It's not, it's not, like, terrible. Like, it's music, but, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah, not my, uh, not my cup of tea. No, it's heavily disco. So, look, that's how we'll, that's how we'll finish this, uh, this, this story about what happened with uh, Belladonia and Skylab landing upon it or being deliberately targeted by the, the US. You choose which one it, it is. And we'll take this segment out with a little bit of the hit single by family, Ballad of Belladonia Night. 